This just in, citizens. Apparently Chekhov and I are way too talkative for just one episode. So we split this episode into two chunks. The first chunk will air tonight, and the second chunk will air tonight. Uh, We wanted to cut it down to bite-sized pieces for your listening pleasure. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. citizens to the third episode of readcast we're a star citizen podcast sponsored by the read organization i'm joined by the ever incomparable the always russian and oftentimes willing to shoot you in the head to get you out of your rock checkoff say hello checkoff hello everyone how are you today so uh without further ado check your fuel levels retract your landing gear and let's get this show into quantum drive We've got a jam-packed show for you today, and uh, we also have our first ever special guest. Uh, he's a member of Reed, along with us, um, and he's the always helpful, ever-kind Seaguard Wolves. Welcome to the show, Seaguard. Tell our listeners about yourself, and please include your favorite ship and your current favorite activity of playing the game. All right. Well, thanks for having me on the show. Um, yeah. Been, been with Star Citizen for quite a while, I think since 2013. Um, so I've been around. I've got a few ships, but I would say <laughs> a, few my, a few, yeah, <laughs> a few, more than one, less than a million. Uh, I would say, you know, I really like the uh, a Re- Reliant Core. It, it, no one will believe that, but I really do. Um, and, and the Tana also. Um, and then the third question, what was the last part of the question? Oh, it was just tell you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh, okay, um, yeah. Also, your favorite thing to do in the game so far. Oh, favorite thing to do in game is probably mine right now. I like the mine. So. Okay, great. Well, let me change. Um, let me say. Oh, sure. Fly, You're allowed fly, to change. Fly big ships. That's my favorite thing. The bigger, the better. If mining happens to be in the big ship, then so be it. So much the better. Um, so what have you guys been doing uh, in the verse lately? Uh, why don't you start, Seagard? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, no. So for me, I, I think um, it's been a couple days. I was off doing some family things, but um, mostly, you know, trying to coordinate with the group as, as or individuals in the group, usually on Tuesday and Thursday. You know, you'll see me out there sometimes trying to move over from wherever part of the unit or solar system I'm at to wherever the rest of the group is. Uh, and when I get there, I mine. If you can't do that, I'm doing cargo. If I'm solo, I'm generally doing cargo. Awesome. Yeah, that's a very relaxing activity, I would say. Yeah. Well, I know and Chekhov and I talk about this all the time. Yeah. It's like, it's great to sometimes, you know, you love mining and sort of like, having to focus and concentrate, but every once in a while, there's nothing like just getting in your ship, filling it with cargo and going from one point to another. Absolutely. What about you, Chekhov? What have you been doing this week? Yeah, I was waiting until you asked me that. Actually, you should have asked me how I'm feeling right now. Extremely frustrated. And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because... (laughs) 
because I'll tell you why. Unjustly, of course, unjustly, I ended up in prison. And when I came out of prison, wrongfully accused. Yes. Uh, so I did come out finally, but when I came out, I retained my prison uniform. Now, you're about 100 meters away from me, and if you come out, you're going to see what a disaster I am because they did take my finally my prisoner uniform off. But with that, I lost bits and pieces of my other armor. So oh. I have one collar arms, second collar legs, third collar torso, and a fourth collar helmet because uh, I don't have a complete set of anything left. So that's kind <laughs> of uh, my, my state of being right now. Uh, otherwise, you know, well, you know, it's, it's the usual stuff in Star Citizen. Yeah, I mean, we were playing the other night, what, roaming around. I was mining in my rock trying to see. Um, word on the street was that if you went to OM1 on Microtech, there are a lot of um, rocks that are Hadnite, and you can see clusters of, like, 9 or 11. And I was seeing that, too, but I was seeing, like, 11, but only two were above the surface of the ground. Oh, so it's like, oh, great. Well, I can totally mine nothing. Um, but yeah, yeah. it was fun at least. Yeah. So again, uh, but the reason, the reason why I say what I say though, uh, just from a bug perspective, I say there's a couple of reasons to stay away from prison. Obviously you waste time, you spend, but also when you come out, there are unpredictable bugs that you will yeah. experience when you come out. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Now, what are we all drinking this evening? Uh, well, I was drinking kombucha just a minute ago, but uh, hopefully you're drinking something stronger than that. I, I am. I'm not. having. Oh, you're not having anything? I, I am having carbonated water, and I just finished the, the galaxy's best coffee, Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Extra cream, extra sugar. Mm. So. Okay. Nice. I'm I'm actually having a uh, gin and tonic with a splash of lavender bitters. Ah, yeah. So it's it's quite potent and delicious. Yeah, and know. check off. I bet you can guess which gin it is. Oh, uh, Hendrix, <laughs> of course. Correct. Correct. Yeah, I am not a gin guy. I'm a whiskey guy. No. Well, no, I, I love whiskey too. Uh, can I tell you? I was never really a gin guy until I. I try Hendrix Martini. Really? And that's my go-to, like, after a really tough day, if I need a sort of a stiff drink, that's the one. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, I mean, Hendrix has a way of, um, it, you know, it's just like, of the mar of the gins, it, I, I don't necessarily always have it in a martini per se, but it's just a very flavorful gin and it has a lot of botanicals, but not in the, not in the way where you're like, why am I eating this pine tree? Mm -hmm. Which a lot of people will say is, is what gin is like. I personally think like, you know, a lot of people drink vodka and I'm like, vodka tastes like flat nothingness, but it, it makes everything. It's like, Oh, here's this delicious, delicious fruit juice. And all it does is impart this weird, flat, gross flavor, you know? And it's not like I don't like the taste of alcohol, per se, but 
I don't know. Everyone says gin's rubbing alcohol. I think that's what vodka tastes like to me. <laughs> well, no, no comments on vodka, considering it is <laughs> my natural <laughs> drink. So. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you still drink it, don't you? Uh, seldomly, yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it is getting to that season. Like, gin's my go-to year-round. But I would say the fall is a great time for a really nice old-fashioned. Oh, yeah. That's that's another one of my favorites. We, we could have a whole episode on that. I know. I know. I was going to say, this isn't Whiskey Citizen, is it? <laughs> no, no. But could um, be, yeah, last time we were be. talking about old-fashioned, I think I crashed into someone because, if you recall, I was coming out you of You were quantum. getting too excited. Uh, yeah, I was too excited to talk about old-fashioned. I forgot to put on the brakes and crashed into someone, and they were full with, with <laughs> quantanium, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a uh, hundreds of thousands of a. EUC um, mistake there. Yeah. He was a good sport about it, but I felt yeah. bad, so I transferred 100K. Yeah. That was decent of you. Well, that was nice of you. I am exiting Port Tressler as we speak. I know, and I'm chasing you because I, I had so many choices with free flight. I could not really pick the one that I wanted. And I am. What have you been enjoying? Oh, from free flight perspective? Yeah. yeah. Oh, this is awesome. I mean, you get to try out all the ships and uh, you really get a. And, and guess what? I'm really coming back to speaking about favorite ship. I really, really like the way Gladius uh, handles and flights. It's such a nimble and cool and fun ship, you know. But again, you know, you yeah. guys like the larger ships. But I really like that the whole, you know, quick and, you know, dogfight kind of a feeling. So, well, so far. You no, know, I'm a I lover, think. not a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so we, we also, uh, um, not that any of us could attend, unfortunately, but there, there was this really great org event that our org did this weekend. And it looked like a pretty intense expedition. Though it I did. did hear that it ended in a couple of combat landings, which oh. Um, oh. You know, isn't uncommon. <laughs> you know, the, the type that wipes out the entire crew. Yeah. Hopefully one of us can join the next. What was that? Was it the, uh, wasn't the plan to kind of uh, make, the, uh, make the, the, uh, the ground teams go search for a lost party uh, and had yes. they had a drive in on vehicles and, um, yep. and I thought that was a pretty cool idea. I really wanted to be in it. I got tied up with something else, but uh, that sounded like a lot of yeah. fun. It was in the mountains of Microtech. I believe they had a defense group, a ground patrol, and then some air reconnaissance. And apparently after everyone got decimated via explosion on the mountaintop they decided to use that as an opportunity to see if they could recover anything from the wreckage ah so they sort of played it twice um but in the attempts to get to the wreckage they crashed oh. <laughs> into oh. nubkins apparently had flown he was at i think it was port tressler and he had flown straight up in everyone was packed into his pisces 
and he had flown at just the height, even with the actual, um, the rotating um, cylinder. Right. And the arm hit the ship and blew everyone up. And then oh. they packed into another vehicle again. And then went down to Microtech to see, to check the mountains. And I guess um, the Cuddy Red that was there, which I don't know why no one spawned at it the first time, um, but the Cuddy Red was still intact down um, in the mountain, as far as I know. Really? Yeah. So really cool. It, it seemed like a cool event. I wish I could have attended. Yeah, I, I really wanted to. But, uh, yeah. Oh, well, next time they, we're trying to do more and more of them, which is which yeah. is awesome. And I know that we have one coming on the 11th of October that I'm going to try desperately to make. Yep. Uh, so let's talk about what's been going on in the verse, right? So there's a lot of stuff that's been going on. First and foremost, we already talked about it last week, but we're still in the ship showdown. And right now it's phase two. Uh, so that means that voting has started and there's already been some pretty popular ships knocked out. Uh, so far in round one, we had the Carrick versus the Reclaimer. So a couple of big ships duking it out. The Carrick came out on top. Um, thank you. Uh, with 12,770 votes <laughs> wow. to 3,535. Um then we had the Caterpillar going against, which I thought was unfair, but the Caterpillar going against the Prospector. Um, and the Cat made it through with almost double the, the votes. It was 8,040 to 4,691. Yeah, that makes no um, sense. Completely different classes. and uh, uh, It's like apples for oranges. I mean, they're doing the best that they can to match it up. I also think they're trying to see if they can weed out some of the winners from last year, I don't know. Um, okay. But then after that, uh, one of your new favorite ships, check off the Gladius beat the defender um, oh, with nice. Gladius at 8,896 to the defenders, 5,135. Hmm. Um, we saw the hammerhead go up against the eclipse the Eclipse apparently shot some torpedoes at the Hammerhead and ended up at 8, 000, uh, 6,854 to the uh, Hammerhead's 5,207. Wow. Um, I, and if I'm not mistaken, last year this mashup came, this, this head-to-head came again. I don't know if it was in round one, but the Cuddy Black fought against the Connie Andromeda, and it it bested it by, it was 7,272 to the Connie's 4,486. Yesterday we saw the Reliant Core uh, lose to the Avenger Titan uh, by a lot. I would have thought that. I would have thought that, but. I mean, geez, the Reliant only got 2,624 votes. Yeah. Uh, whereas the Avenger got 9,070. Yeah. Um, and then right now we're currently seeing the battle of the two drop ships. So the Prowler is fighting the Valkyrie. The Valk is ahead uh, by a sizable number at this point. So it's 6,443 uh, to 2,533. Now, so far, I've never seen anything overcome that kind of gap usually even from like the first hour you know you see by the end of the first hour the gap only widens from there 
I don't know if we'll see anything shift between now and then because, you know, voting ends tomorrow right before noon. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Oh, um, no. But then our no. last first round. Yeah. So if you haven't voted, vote now, please. Um, I voted for the Valkyrie. I wanted the Valkyrie. I mean, so I'm okay with that. <laughs> um, and then we have our last first round battle tomorrow, starting at noon. And this one, I think, is the weirdest by far. We have the largest ship in game, the 890 Jump, going against one of the smallest, the Misk Razor. Um, so, wow. Seaguard, who, who do you think is going to come out on top tomorrow? Well, oh, it's 890 Jump. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, a I think so too. Yeah. How about? I mean, so far, any upsets? Any surprises? Um, you know, I, I'm kind of. It's interesting. They had the caterpillar against the prospector. That's a that's a good matchup, right? I mean, because a lot of people play the prospector because they're single. They're single pilot. They fly alone. The cat you can do with, yeah. but it kind of breaks the level of realism. You know, and I don't know how you guys are. Uh, but I'm kind of like the realistic type of play. I, I don't run everywhere. I try to walk because I know I'd be exhausted in 10 steps in real life. And so, mm-hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> flying the cat alone is eh, its just not as enthralling to me. I don't, how, how about you, Chekhov? What do you think? Yeah, it's, um, uh, well, uh, it, you, you're right. It, it, but it's also a testament to the type of play. I guess, uh, meaning, you know, mining versus cargo hauling. I mean, do we almost equate that the whole thing to say that cargo hauling is still the favorite activity? I mean, I think if you think about it, one of the, I have two things. I think one, the cat is the only dedicated cargo hauler in the game right now. Um, But, but also, don't forget, the cat isn't just a cargo hauler. Um, it's the first dedicated cargo hauler in the game of its size, right? There's plenty of smaller ones. But once again, I don't think there's really anything that's truly considered a cargo hauler in and of itself besides the Caterpillar. I mean, you might you might argue the Freelancer. But then there's also the Caterpillar really appeals to both the cargo hauler but also, it's a favorite amongst pirates. Yeah, it's good. So yeah, you have that pirate. pirate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you have that pirate mentality, which, you know, I think that's why Drake in general performs so well. Plus, it's got that gritty vibe. Yeah. Um, but why, why, is the, why is the favorite among pirates? Because, it, I mean, it looks, first of all, you know, in lore, Drake sort of, Turned its turned a blind eye to the fact that pirates were buying their ships, mm-hmm. um, but also I think it's just that grittiness, you know. Like, look at how many. Wait till you see the. Um, why can't I think of the name of the ship now? The Corsair, mm-hmm. right? That's an exploration ship. Okay, I I bet a lot of pirates trying to find wreckage are going to use that, especially because it has so many front facing guns. Right. Almost like I was a, disappointed. I wanted like a, it's like a Klingon <laughs> exploration ship from Star Trek, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. One little exactly. tiny radar and sensor scanner and a lot of guns. Yeah, yeah. 
exactly, exactly. Speaking of big ships, I know that you spawned your Carrick from Port Tesla. I could not do the Reclaimer there. Oh, no, I'm sorry. There wasn't mm -hmm. a Reclaimer. It was Retaliate. Yeah, it was, was a Reclaimer. No, Reclaimer. Yeah. The Reclaimer can only be spawned at Area 18 and New Babbage, and then now the new Grim Hex. Oh, okay. Um, hangers. Oh, so to, to take out all the big ships, I got to get over to Grimex, probably. Yeah, at, at least. If not, well, you're right near New Babbage, so you could take out anything from New Babbage. That's true. All right. I'm going to go fly down to New Babbage then. I That's until until there's ship to station docking. Once there's ship to station docking, you should be able to pull anything from the, from these stations as well. We're at Port Tressler, so you should be able to pull things from there, too. Yep. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm excited to see how everything turns out, you know, after tomorrow, <coughs> and then we're going to head into the second round matches and we're going to see how the Carrick, uh, competes against the Caterpillar. Um, so that'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, last week we also saw Chris Roberts climb out of his Terrapin and respond to actual comments on Spectrum. Um, so there was a user, uh, his name was Camerol, or Camerol, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he brought up the fact that we've seen so much content way back when about the room system, right? So it dates back to a pretty in-depth in discussion in 2016 about the room system. So check off, this will be interesting to you, I think, as mm -hmm. you, you don't necessarily have as much historical uh, experience with the game. But when he, he mentioned it, he's like, where is this room system? Right. This is all I'm paraphrasing, obviously, because there's plenty of, you know, uh, content creators who actually read word for word. And I just don't want to do that right now. It's just will be boring. Um, but Chris chimed in with a pretty detailed response. Um, and really, in summary, he, he explained, listen, the room system's in place. Uh, you don't notice that it's in place because. Right now, they haven't put in game the fact that our actual life support systems will deplete when, like, the doors open or even when there's damage. Um, so you'll notice an example of this whenever there's a there's certain bugs in ships every once in a while. You walk down a corridor in something like a hammerhead or anything, and all of a sudden you'll start choking. You're like, <gasps> out of nowhere. Um, and that's because technically for some reason the the area isn't recognized as a room. So it does have atmosphere and effects. It, you know, certainly we're not seeing um, vacuum applying to the rooms yet. And we're not seeing the actual rooms lose their air and uh, their oxygen and such because the doors aren't open. Um, but that's the long-term goal. Now, what he did do is he went on to explain the mechanics as he sees it. And it was pretty detailed. But some of the things he talked about is he's like, for example, um, you know, your ship's hit with armor piercing rounds and one of them breaks through, well, many of them break through the shields, but one actually breaks through the, through the hull and actually hits a major component. Uh, that component misfires, causes, um, a fire on the ship. You don't notice cause everyone's in combat mode. The fire starts to spread on the ship. The engineer notices it from his console on the bridge jumps up, goes to take care of the fire, 
He's going to go vent the fire by opening up the door, finds out the door, lost power because of the damage from the fire. He tries to reroute the power, doesn't work. So he, um, and then he finds that he's also running out of oxygen in the hallway because the fire is eating the oxygen. So he has to put on a suit, get a fire extinguisher, put out the fire, reroute, reroute the power, um, and open the airlock to put out the remaining fire repair the damaged component, and finally they're back in business. Um, you know, he also went on to say things like they're not compromising and building the game. Uh, he discussed why, you know, this is why he's really led the charge to change the roadmaps to give us more insight into the long-term things being built because if we knew everything they were working on, we might not be so angry patch to patch when things push, push back. Mm -hmm. um, and I will say the user got a little... Not not really sad. Like, we can understand where he's coming from, but essentially he said something to the effect of, we've heard this before. And Chris actually replied again. We, I'll, um, I'll include the Spectrum thread uh, in the show notes for you to actually go in detail and read it because I'm not going to go into any more about it. But, I mean, it doesn't that sound exciting? Especially, Absolutely. Especially now when we're seeing the fire propagation all the time yeah. in these videos that keep showing it and showing it. And it feels like it feels like it's closer than we think. I know it's still far out, but super exciting. I mean, did did either of you read the comments? Seagard, did you check it out? I, I did not. But you know, it's it sounds very consistent with what Chris has said in the past. Um, you know, he yeah. was you know, his background is where electronic arts kind of forced him to release some of his games prematurely, and they did not fare well. Um, yeah. And after he had had some major releases that were that were extremely well received, you know, back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, you know, that's the reason he's he the Joss off. Whedon of space sims. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and he actually went off and did movies for a while. Um but that yeah. same that same attitude he has is what got guys like me to go put in a lot of money because we want to live, you know, in a world that he builds. We know what he's he's capable of. So I'm glad he sticks to his guns. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and it and here's the thing to to hear him talk about that, and I know it seems like it's so far away. And I mean, let's face it, the game who knows when it's going to be released and it has been out for a while, but you know, we're only a matter of a few really good gameplay loops in to really like make it even more engaging. And, you know, we all play constantly. The three yep. of us. Absolutely. Yep. So yeah, it should be interesting. Check off. What do you think? How, how are you feeling about what Chris described. Yeah, I mean, look, uh, back. Oh, it's funny you talk about fire propagation. We completely forgot to talk about that. The other day, I was in the arena commander, and I could have sworn I saw sort of the first glimpse at it because my ship, when it was uh, damaged, I mean, I, mm -hmm. I, I could have sworn the fire was kind of moving around the whole ship. But, you know, probably yeah. I'm mistaken. But yeah, I mean, this is just sort of a glimpse of what's to come. It's very cool. And then, as you said, yeah. you know, talking about playing this game in alpha, I mean, uh, you know, can I tell you something? There are lots and lots of games there that are fully released that <laughs> I would come near, you know, that they can't even, you know, uh, 
uh, even you know stack up to this in any shape or form. So if this is what alpha is, then I'll play alpha for the rest of the uh, you know yeah. my life. I guess I don't care if it ever releases. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. <laughs> I hope well, it releases. But as long as it keeps evolving, um, exactly. you, you are in some ways check off. I mean, what you're seeing right now in Arena Commander, those are just damage states, right? So the more damage the ship, the more activity happens in the cockpit. And technically, that's supposed to be the same way all the time. But I think you know there might be some lag in that, or usually. It's, it's quick to go, like, the desync in the PU, you might find that you're not getting fully through the damage state before it's kaboom time. Um, whereas in Arena Commander, you might actually survive that. Um, the, I think the other thing that he mentioned that I think is exciting is he's talking about all these things. And, and, and the, the piece that I think a lot of people... I, I don't know if it's people just aren't systems thinkers or they're just getting really impatient and they're overly emotionalizing something that they have no control over. Right. But like, you know, he's talking about we're creating something that ideally is going to be systematic. All the little pieces in your ship are going to have essentially power that routes to them. Once they're not working properly, it means things for your ship. He's systematizing. And once you start to systematize, you know, then it becomes a lot more um, you know, engaging so or like easy to easy to update, easy to use. So I, you know, I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. Um. No. Yeah, right. just I'm about I'm crazy know. excited. <laughs> oh, I, I am absolutely. absolutely. If uh, who will ever have enough time in the day, like Sigur, you said, you might as well move in and live in this game because. You know, we spend hours and, and hours yeah. as of right now. And if you had any more functionality here, you know, just go, you know, if Carrick, everything on the Carrick becomes functional, you will never leave Carrick. You won't have enough time to do anything else but to explore your own ship. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, and this yeah, is. Yeah, it's going to be very engaging. And and what he's what you know, saying to to me what he's describing if you don't mind me jumping in again the uh, no go right ahead he's describing the old school way of of gathering requirements right you you think yeah. through things and think of all the branches and all the and once you get all the branches then you go what data do I need for each of those and you know that's the way software used to be written and now a lot of it is done through GUIs and um that write some of the code for you or at least prepackage it yeah um you know and it's uh, it leads to a much greater level of detail in the long run um i i yeah. think you know i think i think he's on the right track and i think that um yeah it would be great to see one ship completely work and one planet completely work you know everything works 100 percent. but yeah I'm i'm confident it's coming i'm confident yeah, but in theory, I mean, in theory, if you think about it, right, when he talks about systems, um, you know, in at the end of the day, once they start developing these systems, then all they have to do is click and say, this interface drives this system. You know, this seat drives this system. This seat drives this system. And maybe they might have to tweak some UI, but even that systematized them. Right. You know, because they, they have the building blocks. And... 
you know, it doesn't sound like a lightning rod at first, especially, you know, when you're sitting there and you're like, why aren't the elevator buttons done yet? That seems pretty easy. But I think long term, we're going to see truly what like building blocks actually meant for the game because, you know, the amount of time those flash interfaces were taking and them being extremely horrible, um, you know, and, and unre- unresponsive, I think we're going to see a huge difference. We're already noticing some and we're already starting to take them for granted. <laughs> right. Oh, you're um, right. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely awesome. right. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Well, you know, I like to hear that. <laughs> mm. um, so then last week we also had, um, you know, ISC and Star Citizen Live. And I have to say, talk about sleepier content last week. Good thing Chris replied last week because it was a little bit of a snoozer. ISC, we did get a nice detailed glimpse of the 100 series but for Origin. Nice starter ships. Uh, they looked quite beautiful, very much in vain of the Origin aesthetic but then we saw a preview of our you know menu at the beginning of the once you open up the game and it's really they're like oh we converted to building blocks but it looks exactly the same and then they talked about but it's going to allow us to add more okay well maybe you could have shown us like a prototype or something i don't know it's a surprise quote-unquote feature of this new patch coming out but it's not really that exciting. It excites me from the standpoint of maybe one day we'll have a nice org interface so that we don't have to necessarily go outside of the game or interact with other players in our org. Right. Um, I don't know. What, did, did either of you check out those episodes? I actually did see that one. Um, so I, I liked the building blocks. I mean, it was a good little demonstration. Um, and it, it, I could see where... You know, he had the components being the building blocks in, in the case were much like what we had yeah. now. But it, it kind of yeah. addressed one of the problems I was always anticipating was how do you start how do you start the game when there's going to be 30 different systems? <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. you can't just have a drop down that shows, you know, 58 cities on 30 different systems. You'll have no context. So the fact that they can yeah. slide things in um, in the future to maybe make that a more of a drop-down system or to make it more logical um, with, yeah. let's say, player counts in that, you know, player counts in that environment or in that system, et cetera, I, I think I yeah. can see where we, it is essential, right? I also think it'll be interesting. I liked, I did like the fact that they sort of talked a little bit about once you start to once you drop down, you know, oh, Loreville, it does give you at least a little narrative about it and a picture. That's a little bit more engage, engaging for a new user. Um, yeah. And you have yeah. them yourself in and, the picture. Yeah, Remember, exactly. They mentioned that. Yeah, you know, having yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it would have been more interesting. That seems like something. I get why they added it. But it would have been a better thing to add in a sprint report, probably, or something else. You know what I mean? It wasn't enough to be half of an episode of Inside Star Citizen, in my mind. Um, and then Star Citizen Live was—I try. I'm not a negative person by nature. I don't have negative feelings towards this episode. 
but I didn't finish watching it because I saw zero point in it. And what it was, was it was just, you know, five people from the, from uh, CIG, including Jared talking about the ship showdown and who they wanted to win. Um, and if there was other content that they talked about at the end, I definitely missed it, but I don't recall catching anything from Nubifier's video that said anything, you know, if, if they wanted to keep people to the end, they should have announced some sort of new ship or something. Cause that was the, one of the lamest things I think they've ever done. That's funny. Um, yeah. I guess that, uh, it, that's not really the right form for it. They, they really need to. Uh, keep you know, I, I, I don't want to be mean to them. Like they were trying something new, you know. Um, right. And I get it, but that could have been like a series of short little clips on the site, like being like, "Who do we think's going to win today?" You know, right, like right. almost like new sportscasters or something. Yeah, filling out their like their NCAA brackets. Right. I see. What you're big, yeah. big East brackets or whatever. You know, I, I just think that's the first Star Citizen Live that felt phoned in, even though they were giving it their all. Oh, well, I forgive them. <laughs> uh, it sounds like there's going to be some interesting stuff this week. I'm not sure. Well, there you have it, kiddos. Thanks for listening to the first half of our episode this week. Tune in for the second half, where we'll finish the whole conversation. Thanks again and have a good one. <laughs>